So Matthew tw uh, 24, 29-31, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So, um, just a little background, kind of remember what's, what's going on, what Jesus is talking about. He just said what is going to happen during the tribulation period. And then, so the, if, you, if you were to kind of break it down into two phases, you have the tribulation and then the great tribulation. The great tribulation is that three and a half year period. So you have the first three and a half years, and then you have the th second three and a half years when, you know, things are bad in the first half, but the second half is way worse, okay? And that is started the moment that the Antichrist goes into the temple and proclaims that he is God, right? Verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let him who is on his housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And we talked about this, this has been two weeks ago, that this will be the flight of the Jews. They will have to run. The moment that this happens, they are to get out of the city, get away from Jerusalem, get, probably get away from Israel as fast as they can. And they are going to go to a, a place that has been prepared for them by God, where they will be there for 42 months, right? Or what is it, 1,260 days or something like that? It's that seven and a half, seven years, right? Or, I'm sorry, three and a half years that they're going to be there. And we, we talked about that, and it's you can reason that they would probably go to the Petra, the ancient city of Petra, and they will be held up there. And when Jesus comes back, that's the first place he is going to set foot to rescue his people and to, to basically march, destroying the armies of the Antichrist all the way to Jerusalem. All right? And they will be following in his presence. Um, so Jesus has been talking about this. And then he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Okay? Now... Again, this time is going to be so bad that Jesus says that if those days were not shortened, no one would be saved. Right? That's how bad it's going to be. But he says that there's going to be a time after that. Okay? So notice, first thing you want you to notice is there's a sequence of events because he says immediately. Now, immediately in Greek is a very interesting word. It's eutheos. Eutheos, and uh, can anybody guess what that means? Immediately. It means immediately. Good job, Ty. That was great. So you don't have to do any backflips there. Immediately means immediately. That's what the word means. Um, it could mean directly after, or some old King James words like straight away, or forthwith. It means, you know, right after. So right after these times, you know, right after the bold judgments, right after all these things happen, 
these tremendous calamities, these tremendous judgments that take place on the earth, immediately after those days, okay, what does it say? The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. All right? Now, I was thinking about this, and... Um, you know, a lot of people don't believe in, like, the rapture. They don't believe that Jesus is going to come gather his people up before this time. They think this is the coming that he's always talking about. That's always, that the church is always awaiting, that the world's always awaiting this time of judgment. But I would, I would say you see something different in Scripture. When you, when you see the church talking about it, when you see the Apostle Paul or Peter or James, they are waiting for this, this coming of the Lord, this blessed appearing, right? This blessed hope that they're, they are waiting for. It's an any moment return, okay? They're expecting him to come back at any moment, at any moment. They're not waiting for the Antichrist. They're not waiting for this great tribulation period. They're not waiting for the trumpet judgments and the seal judgments and the bold judgments to take place, Okay? What they are awaiting for is an any moment return of our Lord Jesus Christ having salvation. Okay? That's what they are waiting for. That's what the church has been waiting for for 2,000 years. Is this any moment return of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 24, he's not talking about an any moment return. He's talking about Something that shows, we, we know when he's going to come back, right? It's going to be immediately after the tribulation. Immediately after you see the, the sun grow dark and the moon not give its light. The, the stars fall from heaven and the powers of heaven be shaken. Okay? That's how you know when he is going to come back. So you, got, you know the moment that the Antichrist signs the peace treaty, when the temple is rebuilt, you know that you have seven years. Okay, oh, I only have to wait seven years till Jesus comes back. If you can survive it, you know. I don't believe there's going to be many believers on the earth when he comes back. Most of them are going to be slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered. Okay. So I'm going to go over a few places where we see, the, the, and the doctrine is the imminency of Christ. Okay, meaning the soon return, that his return is always near. All right. So in Mark 13, 35-37, Jesus says, Watch therefore, you don't know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, the crowing of the rooster, in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. We are to watch for his coming because he could come back at any moment. That's what that passage is saying. Okay. James 5, 7-8. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain? You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Okay? Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And that at hand is just means is near. I think the old King James says the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Or the NASB, the coming of the Lord is drawing near. That's what it means. 
Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. All right? The Lord is at hand. Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be known. Oh, I just read that one. <laughs> Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I am coming. Anybody want to fill it in? Quickly. Good job. I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, we know that the when he comes back after the tribulation period, it's called the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is always a time of judgment. Okay, So I want to also make that distinction, that this coming that we're talking about here, this, this any moment return of Christ, is for rewards. I will give to me, give to everyone according to his work. My reward is with me, he says. You know? When he comes back the second time, it is going to be in judgment. It is going to vindicate himself, right? After being whipped, hung on a cross, despised for 2,000 years, he's going to vindicate himself because all everybody's going to know that he is Yahweh, that he is the creator and the maker of the heavens and the earth, that he is the savior of all who call upon his name, right? And he will be vindicated in that day, and they will see that he is the judge of all the earth. Now, if we have to go through all these things, though, the trumpets, the bowls, the seals, all these judgments, the reign of the Antichrist, the persecution of the believers, you know, the slaughter of anybody who calls on the name of Jesus or Yahweh, is that seven years going to feel very quick? It's not. It's gonna, we're, you're not going to be waiting for him. To, you're going to be waiting to die. Right? I mean, that is going to be it is going to be the worst time in human history on the earth. So that is not what we're looking forward to. We are looking forward to that day when we see him face to face. When he calls him up to himself. When the dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up afterwards. Right? To meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So I can't imagine going through that that time and saying, oh, the Lord's coming quickly. I feel like, Lord, come now, come now, come now. They're going to cut my head off. Please come now. You know, this will be an awful time. And Jesus commands us in Luke 12, 35 through 36, says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. Then when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. That is what we are waiting for. We are waiting for our bridegroom to come and to take us to be with himself. And we are always ready for that day. We are to always be ready for that day. Right? Remember, we've talked about it, talked about it before. A Jewish bride, especially in Galilee, she'd be waiting for her bridegroom to come at any moment. She, every day, she would, she would either have her dress on or she'd have it laid out. She'd have it ready to go. Right? She is always ready. She's not going to the bars and flirting with the other guys. Why? Well, because hopefully she's just a good woman. She's not doing that. 
But two, she is ready for her bridegroom to come at any moment. She's not looking for another bridegroom. She's not looking for another husband. She's looking for the one who she is betrothed to, right? Who she's already made a covenant with. And he said he would come and get her. And she believes his promise. And that is the church. That is us. We are to believe his promise that he is coming to get us, right? So we are to be ready at any moment. We are to be ready every day. You know, wake up in the morning, Lord, I'm ready. Go to bed at night. Lord, I am ready. You know, when you're being enticed to sin or enticed enticed to walk away from the Lord, Lord, I am ready to go with you. I know that you will hold to your promise. Okay? I know that you will hold to it. So look at it again. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So immediately after the tribulation, this is what's going to happen. They thought it was bad before. I think it's going to get even worse right before Jesus comes. Like It's kind of like that last contraction, that last birth pain. you know, Right before a baby is born. This is going to get really bad. Oh, I forgot I was going to read this verse to you too. And it's so precious I can't skip over it. Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That is what we are waiting for. We are waiting for that day when he comes back to receive us to himself. We're not coming back for the earth to receive him. That's not what we're waiting for. We're waiting to be received by him. Okay. So again, what's going to precede his coming? What's going to be that immediate event? The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That is a total blackout. Now, if you guys were to go through almost any commentary, not all commentaries, most of them are going to say, well, you can't take this literally. This is just figurative language of what's gonna, what it's going to be like when you're like, why would it be figurative? It says it over and over again through the scriptures. right? And we've seen blackouts before. Well, I haven't, you know, but the world has. Pharaoh saw one in Egypt. The, I think it was the ninth plague, the plague of darkness. You know, maybe it was ninth, maybe it was sixth. What do you got there, eight? The eighth plague? He probably had knew a song from it for Sunday school or something. <laughs> <laughs> so how dark was it? So dark that you could feel it. You know, it said that the people didn't, stand, didn't move from their spot for three days because of the darkness. In the book of Revelation, it talks about there will be another darkness and people will actually gnaw their tongues off because of the pain of the darkness. So this is some kind of darkness, not just turning the lights off, but it's a darkness that can even be felt, it says. You know, so it's a, it's a terrible, a terrible judgment on the earth. Um, during Jesus' crucifixion, 
it went dark for three hours. Now, if you watch movies and stuff, you see the storms rolling in and, you know, they just block out the sky. I don't think so. I think this was a supernatural hindrance of light from the Lord. Basically just blocking out the light of the sun. Um, I always envision that sort of be like the, when we went to the eclipse. Oh, yeah. You know, so it did, you know, here it was in the middle of the day and it was yeah. completely dark. So. Yeah. Oh, they turn off the lights. Yeah, that's a creepy yeah, light. That's true. Yeah, that's a creepy yeah, darkness. Yeah. Well, you're inside a cave and they turn off the lights. You know, when I took I took Dylan there when he was pretty little, and uh, I remember the person saying, "What was it? Nine? It's nine. Oh, I was right. First one was right. Um, and uh, I remember the lady turned off the lights, and she said that in back when they first found this cave, somebody got stuck in there, and they they found him dead, but they were trying to claw their way basically through the wall, and they say you, you start seeing false light. You know, I always remember that, because that's just like our us. You know, if we don't have the light of the Lord, we're going to start looking for false light. You know, stuff like that. But there are other blackouts that have happened. Okay, um, So I don't believe that this is just speaking figuratively or some kind of metaphorical sense or anything like that. I think literally, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars of will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Except for that last part. I'm not real sure about that. I think that might be talking about something else specifically. But this is also the sign that is given in Isaiah 13. Now I believe Jesus is actually pulling from Isaiah 13. So go ahead and go there. Isaiah 13, starting in verse 9. Isaiah 13, verse 9. Now, if you if you read verse 1, it says, The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. And so this is actually going back and forth between Babylon and and probably Mystery Babylon the Great, or the Babylon at the end of time that the book of Revelation speaks about. And I'll, I'll show you why in verse, um, as, we, as we read through this from 9 to 13. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. Sound familiar? The stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their, give their light. The sun will be darkened and it's going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world. So it's not just speaking of Babylon. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the hidingness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So I believe this is talking about 
We've got time right before Jesus comes back. Because again, it's the same kind of language that's being used here. Also, Joel chapter 2, verses 30-31. It says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillar of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, so I believe that literally everything is going to go black. Now, keep that in mind for verse 30. Everything is going to be absolutely dark. There's not going to be any light being shown on the earth. Okay? And then it says, The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, what could that mean? Because I can only imagine if the stars fell from heaven, that's pretty much everything gets destroyed. You know? I mean, because stars are a lot bigger than the earth. <laughs> you know? Um, think of gravitational pull. I mean, I'm not a physicist or, you know, an astronomer or anything like that, so I have no clue what would happen if, if, the, if the stars were actually to move out of their places. What this could be referring to is a demonic horde. Because many times in the scripture, demons or, or angels themselves are called stars. Okay, I think we see this in Revelation chapter 12. And it says, speaking of the beast or the dragon, in, in 12.4 it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Okay, And then we're going to get the interpretation of it, or the understanding of it in Revelation 12.9. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, so could it be that these stars that it's speaking of are demons, are fallen angels? You know? um, could be that at this point, God just says, you guys are done. You know, because who, what are the principalities and the powers of the earth? These are the ones who basically rule over the earth, right? Over these different sections, over different countries, over different places, provinces, you know? And so God says, that's enough. I now reign. So the stars fall from heaven. And that's, um, again, that's kind of an educated guess, you know? Um, of what that means, that the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. You go through the book of Job, through Old Testament books. Angels are called stars, you know. Could also just mean that the stars go dark as well. You know, the literal stars. Those gassy balls of fire up in, in space. And that there's some kind of cosmic shaking. Now, I want you guys to go to Luke chapter 21, because Luke adds something to this. All right. He adds the sign that's also going to be on the earth. So you have the signs in the heavens, which is the sun being dark and the moon not giving its light, the stars falling from heaven, the, the powers of the heavens being shaken. So Luke 21, 25 And Jesus says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. <clears throat> perplexity means just absolute confusion. Absolute confusion. 
the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from the fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So we just get a little bit more light there. And, I mean, this might actually point to maybe it is literal stars and powers of the heavens that are being shaken because the, the waves are roaring. Or it could still mean that they're angels, you know. But they're going to be in absolute perplexity. I mean, just imagine that day. Imagine when we had the big tsunami. Was that in Japan? You know, a few years back. I mean, it just decimated everything. And people are just in utter confusion. Just what do we do? How do we get away from this? How could we possibly survive? And the answer is you're not going to survive. Not everyone. Because there are things coming upon the earth which they do not understand, which they are not ready for, which they, they could not possibly um, comprehend. And then look at verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So remember, there's a blackout. The sun... Stop shining, the moon stops giving its light, the, the stars grow dark. All these things are an absolute blackout, and then boom. You know, how is it that the entire earth is going to know that Jesus has come back? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 27, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Everybody will see it. There's not going to be any question in anybody's mind that Jesus has come back. Okay? Because that comes right after his, him talking about there's going to be false Christ, false prophets. He says, that if somebody says to you, go out to the desert, he's there, don't do it. If he's in the inner rooms, don't go to see him. You know, for as the, as the um, lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Everybody's going to know it. You're not going to be deceived by this. Okay? I'm not going to be in an inner room. I'm not going to be out in the desert. I'm going to be coming from the sky. And there's going to be absolute darkness. And then there is going to be glory at his return. Absolute, undeniable glory that he has returned. Second Thessalonians 2.8 also speaks to this. Speaking of the lawless one who is the Antichrist, it says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom they whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. With the brightness of his coming. Titus 2.13 Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That glorious appearing. It's not going to be, you know, I mean, just imagine everything's black, everything's dark, and then, boom, Jesus is here. And nobody will mistake it. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-10 Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and, give, and, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, 
when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So again, his coming is going to be unmistakable, right? It's funny because the Thessalonians thought, well, the day of the Lord had already happened. You know, we missed it. How did we miss it? No, you're not going to miss it because his coming is going to be so glorious. The entire earth is going to see it. There is nobody who will not see it, who will not know that he has come. Now, what will be the sign? Because he says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear. I can't remember which church's, church um, father it was, but they said that all these things are going to happen and there's going to be this emblazoned cross coming from heaven, this giant fiery cross appearing in the sky. I don't think that's right. I believe that when he speaks of, you'll see the sign of the, or the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. I believe that sign is Jesus himself. I believe it could be the, you know, they call it the, in the Old Testament, the Shekinah glory of God. You know, that glorious appearing. He will be the sign. His glory will be the sign. Him riding on a cloud will be the sign, you know, when he comes back. In um, Matthew 26, 64, Jesus is standing trial before the Sanhedrin, before the high priest. It says, Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He's going to be coming on the clouds of heaven. Daniel 7, 13 through 14. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. It's going to be coming on the clouds of heaven. It's going to be amazing. But again, I believe that Jesus is the sign that's spoken of here. You know, imagine everything goes black and then his glory appears. You know, that cloud appears. Whatever that looks like, it's going to be unmistakable. You're not going to say, oh, there's another cloud. Oh, is Jesus on it? No. You're going to absolutely know, 100% know, that this is not just one of the clouds that we see, you know, from day to day. This is going to be something so spectacular, so glorious, so awe-inspiring. So awesome that we can I don't even think we could know what it would be like today. Okay. In Revelation 1 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen. You know, in uh, Zechariah 12, it also speaks of that. When every eye will see him, even those who pierce him, you know, and they will mourn when they see him. And you have to wonder, why are they going to mourn? Why are they going to mourn? I mean, imagine, you're, these are going to be unbelievers on the earth at that time. 
They have been rejecting Jesus Christ. The nation of Israel could be speaking specifically of the nation of Israel as well. They're going to mourn when they realize they put their Messiah to death. They had him killed at the hands of Gentiles, the Romans. You know? They're going to mourn. Imagine all those who have spent their life on nothing else than pleasing themselves and trying to go after the things of this world. They're going to mourn when they see how great their Savior is, how great their God is. They're also going to mourn because they know judgment is coming. Judgment is not just coming, it is here. Imagine that day. Imagine that day when every idle word will come into account that men speak. So that's what it says. Every idle word will be brought into account. Imagine that time. Imagine that day when that happens. Imagine that day when people realize they have been chasing after the wind, just like Solomon says. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. It's just a chasing or a grasping of the wind. You know? These people spending all their lives doing nothing. Imagine the those who we would call like Marxists, communists, socialists. They have been working for years and years and years, decades, trying to push their agenda. For what? So they could be judged for it. You know? Just imagine that. Imagine that day. Imagine those armies who, who just think that they can come against Christ. You know? Because when he comes back, that's what he's going to do. He's going to destroy those armies first. Imagine them. In all their pomp, in all their arrogance, thinking that they could actually fight against the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. And what's going to be even cooler is we get to come back with them. You know? We get to see what he is going to do. We get to see all those who are proud be put to shame. It is going to be an awesome day. It's going to be a sad day. But it's going to be an awesome day. In verse 31. And will send his angels with the sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So he comes back, he has his glorious appearing, every eye will see him, then they will mourn, and then he will give a command for his angels to go and gather his elect. Now what would the, the readers of this, of Matthew's gospel, be thinking when they see the word elect? We just think of believers, right? I, I submit to you that they would be thinking of Jewish, believer, Jewish people. They'd be thinking of Israelites. They'd be thinking of those who have been scattered all over the earth. You know, even now there's Jews all over, all over the place. They're not all in Israel, but there's going to come a day when he gathers them all together and he gets, he gets to reign in Israel and reign over them. All right, he, the Jews are his people on earth, his elect people on earth. The church is his heavenly people, his heavenly elect people, right? It spans kind of spans space and time for the last 2,000 years. You know? And we get to come back with him. 
but he will reign over Israel, and they will know their king. Right? And they will all be gathered together. Now, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? I pulled out Zephaniah 2.3. It says, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. All you meek of the earth. Who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. That it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Seek to live a righteous life. Be humble before the Lord. Right? Recognize every morning. Just recognize your need for him. Recognize your need for him. We are at war. Okay? Don't forget that. In the midst of our comforts. I mean, we kind of have seen it more lately. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's things that have threatened our comforts, threatened our securities, and stuff like that. So we see this war a little bit more up, up close and personal. We turn on the TV. There's police stations being burnt down. People being murdered in the streets. All kinds of evil things we see lawlessness abounding you know so what do we do I believe right now we are to get serious right we're to get serious about holiness I think about prayer okay if our prayer life has been lagging behind it's time to go to the Lord and say Lord please help me to pray you know help me to know what to pray for help me to know how to pray you know, it says we don't know how to pray as we ought, so don't don't think that you're supposed to know how you're supposed to pray. <laughs> you know, we don't know how to pray as we ought. You know, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us, right? So go to Him, admit that to Him. You know, tell Him, Lord, I don't know what to pray for. How do I pray in this time? You know, how do I pray for my neighbor? How do I pray for my friends, for for people I know? How do I pray for my country? the Lord is coming back and I believe it's soon let's be ready put away sin put away futility don't stress yourself self out constantly over it you know just one thing just ask the Lord what, what do I need to get rid of you know so I can walk with you there's always something. You know, if, I believe if he were to show us everything that we got to get rid of, that we, he wants us to get rid of all at once, we probably just, our heads would explode. You know, we would become so, we'd, and we'd probably just fall down and, and think, that's, uh, I'm hopeless. You know, that's why I say, don't stress yourself out over it. Just walk with the Lord in it. That's why he is gentle, he is kind. You know, he loves you. You don't have to earn his love. But here's what I do want to do. I want to be useful to him. I don't want to be common. Oh, I think it's in Second Timothy. It talks about vessels for common use and vessels for special use. You know, it's, it's relating like, you know, you have fine dishes, you have your fine silverware that comes out when your guests are here and stuff like that. Then you have your common stuff that just gets thrown around. You don't care if there's a scratch on it or anything like that. He says we are to be like for special use. You know, he says, cleanse yourself. You know, turn away from sin. Turn away from a, a cold spirit or a lukewarm spirit. 
turn away from those things and call upon him. Let, let him well up the zeal in you. Look for works to do. Look for ministry to be done. You know, Look for people to share the gospel with. You know, we, we, we wonder how we're supposed to get hot for the Lord and stuff. I, I really believe it just comes through serving. You know? Through serving, through loving people. You know, he ignites the fire as we go. I don't think he usually just lights it up, maybe when we're first believers, when we're new believers, lights us up and we go, you know, but a lot of times I think it's just as we go, he gives us the zeal, he gives us the power, you know, he gives us the desires to do those things. Yeah. Amen.